Welcome to your daily affirmations. Repeat after me, working with others is easier than ever. I strive for perfect collaboration. Our teamwork keeps getting better. Yeah, affirmations are great, but Monday.com can really get you the teamwork you desire. Work together easily and share files, updates, data, and just about anything you want all in one platform. Affirm yes to start. Or tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, everybody. This is Marshall Poe. I'm the editor of the New Books Network. And I'd like to tell you that we have a new and improved website. It has two new features that we think you'll love. One of them is a vastly improved search engine so that when you type in keywords, you'll get a bunch of episodes really quick. The other is the ability to create a listener account. And in that listener account, you can save episodes for later listening. So you can create a kind of listening list. We think these features are neat and we think you'll enjoy them. Please visit the site today. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the New Books in Sociology. I'm Felipe Santos, one of the hosts of the channel, and today we'll be talking with the Professor Donatella de la Porta about her new book, Legacies and Memories. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the New Books in Sociology. I'm Felipe Santos, one of the hosts of the channel, and today we'll be talking with the Professor Donatella de la Porta about her new book, Legacies and Memories in Social Movements, Justice and Democracy in Southern Europe, published by Oxford University Press. She has led a team of other uh, four scholars in what I imagine has been an amazing collaborative enterprise. The rest of authors are Massimiliano Andretta, Tiago Fernandez, Eduardo Romanos, and Marcos Bogiazoglu. Donatella, welcome. We are very happy to have you with us today. Thank you. Thank you. I'm very happy to be with you and to talk about this book. <laughs> So to start with the interview, I would like to ask you to provide us a bit of an introduction about yourself. So where are you now? What has been your kind of academic path and so on? I, at the moment, uh, I am uh, at, in Florence uh, at the Scuola Normale Superiore, uh, which is a public institution which is devoted to PhD work. And uh, for a long time, I've been at the European University Institute, uh, also uh, working, uh, uh, especially teaching at PhD. And so I was very happy when uh, I was offered this uh, possibility uh, to continue uh, working uh, uh, in a graduate school. And uh, it is a very nice uh, graduate school with uh, uh, people from all over the world. We give uh, grants for four years. Uh, and uh, if one of the focus uh, is social movements, which has been one uh, of the issues on which I've uh, been working uh, most. And it is a very international environment. So uh, it is Italian grants, but we can use them uh, for young scholars from uh, everywhere in the world. Uh, and uh, uh, so it's uh, uh, also um, this international environment is important because uh, as with the, uh, as with this book uh, what i like a lot to do and have done in my work has been comparative type of analysis which i think are much more stimulating when you can have also people uh, uh, scholars who participate from the different parts of the world that you that you want to address. So I've been quite lucky, I have to say. I come from Sicily, uh, and um, I moved uh, uh, to uh, Paris for my master uh, a long, long time ago. But I liked a lot, and I I, I think all along my life uh, I thought uh, in order to keep um, 
let's say, high degree of enthusiasm. Uh, you you need to move now and then. So I've been uh, uh, in uh, Paris. Uh, I've been at the European University Institute. I worked in Bologna, in Florence, in Berlin. I've been in the United States. I've been quite lucky, and I've been lucky in working with a lot of uh, uh, junior and senior colleague uh, who have been um, developing projects with me uh, on different issues uh, and now to have these uh, occasions to work. That the Scuola Normale in our department uh, is Cosmos, the Center on Social Movement Studies, uh, and we have every year about uh, uh, 30 PhD students working on uh, social movements, about 20 postdoc. And uh, uh, we have uh, uh, um, academic staff of about 20 colleagues, so it is really very nice environment. And I was wondering, how, how do you came to the idea to, to write this book? Because as, as you say in the book, I mean, transitions have been a very important topic for political scientists, but it was not addressed from the social movement perspective. So how, how do you came to this idea? I came to the idea before uh, writing this book, because this book is uh, just one of the uh, products of uh, the ERC, uh, European Research Council uh, uh, Advanced Scholars Grant, that I got uh, several years ago, I think it was uh, 2011. And uh, uh, when uh, I wrote my project, which was a big project for five years, uh, I, uh, I wanted to go a bit beyond what I had done. Uh, and uh, uh, social movement studies have been focusing a lot on uh, advanced democracies. So a main idea uh, was uh, you need uh, opening of opportunities uh, to have uh, protest. And so there has been very little uh, focus instead on social movements developing in non-democratic countries and trying to produce uh, uh, um, democracy, uh, not only in terms of transitions to democracy, but also uh, consolidation, deepening of democracies and so on. I think that um, what surely affected me was the fact that in my traveling, uh, I was in Berlin between 1988 and 1993. So this means I was there in 1989 when there was uh, uh, the big wave of democratizations in uh, uh, Eastern Europe. And so I, uh, I saw the excitement uh, of uh, the people's participating. I saw also some frustration later on, but say it was certainly a big historical moment which uh, left me uh, the uh, curiosity to study how does it happen that uh, in countries with very high degree of repression, people can have the courage uh, to dream of a different futures and to act. How does it happen that uh, repressions instead than discouraging them at some moment in time uh, tend instead to trigger mass demonstrations? So I wrote this uh, project uh, before 2011, but then uh, when I was starting, uh, there was the Arab Spring, and this was yet another example uh, of how important it was uh, um, to study uh, unexpected uh, uh, development in contentious politics, so this sudden moment in which times intensify. And so some of my work had been focusing on uh, how movements contribute to democracy, uh, and uh, some of the work has been also focusing on which are the effects uh, of uh, uh, mobilizations of uh, citizens uh, for the qualities of democracy later on, but also for the characteristics of social movements later on. And so I worked um, with different areas. Uh, I've read a lot about Latin America, 
but I didn't work directly on Latin America. I, I did empirical research instead uh, in uh, uh, Central Eastern Europe, uh, in the uh, Arab world, and uh, uh, Southern uh, Europe. Southern Europe, uh, as I mentioned, was relevant for me because coming from Sicily and Italy, uh, I uh, uh, felt uh, the comparative perspective with Southern Europe very important, even though what I thought uh, was misleading was the so-called Mediterranean syndrome. So the considerations of Southern Europe as uh, an area in which uh, um, social capital was uh, uh, not rich, uh, um, politics was working in a pathological ways, and so on. I studied also the pathologies. One of my fields of research is corruption. But uh, uh, I also wanted to investigate the richness of uh, uh, potentials in the south of Europe, and this became all the more important uh, after 2011 with the development of movements that at the core in uh, southern European countries, with, in particular in Greece uh, and in Spain, but also in Portugal and in Italy. And uh, reflecting on the uh, consequences of participations of movements in uh, uh, transitions to democracy, I wrote another book uh, which focused on Central Eastern Europe and the Arab Spring, trying, it's called Where Did the Revolution Go? Uh, and the attention was about long-term effect of uh, uh, path of participations of civil society in transitions on the quality of democracy. Uh, while writing that book, I also started to reflect on the importance that memories uh, of, uh, uh, say, critical junctures of important moments have, how they are reactivated. So I was working at the same time on transitions to democracies and on the anti-austerity protest. And I started to notice uh, that the two topics were not separate ones, uh, but that they were connected. They were connected in the sense that uh, uh, the ways in which um, democratizations had happened and the consequences uh, uh, still many decades uh, after. And so I started to think, how do these uh, uh, legacies of the past are reproduced? And in where did the revolution go? Uh, I looked in particular at processes of constitutionalizations of rights uh, and uh, the development also of specific uh, political cultures. Uh, uh, and... Um, um, in, uh, uh, so I, I thought that what was also useful was to, fo to, to write a book that would focus uh, uh, in particular on the uh, legacies and memories uh, in uh, the social movements. So the book is uh, an attempt to bridge what happened in these countries uh, uh, in the period of transition to democracies, which means uh, 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 around 1945 for Italy and in the mid-70s for the other three countries, and to link his, it with what happened in 2011-2012 with the transition to democracy. And then, uh, when you analyze these this, uh, tra this transitions in the four countries, um, you have two kind of ideal categories, which is the eventful transition and the participated pact. Being uh, Portugal, kind of the, the perfect example of the eventful uh, transition, and Spain, they won't participate in pact, uh, while Greece and Italy are somehow in the middle. So I was wondering if you could explain a bit what these two concepts mean. Yes. Uh, in uh, research on transition to democracy, uh, mainly in political science, 
uh, there has been a lot of attention to pacted transitions, so transition pactada, uh, because uh, the Spanish transition in particular was considered as a successful um, process in which uh, old conflicts were um, overcome, uh, and through pacts uh, one could uh, um, uh, modernize the countries and uh, democratize it. Uh, on the other end, other type of transitions were called um, uh, uh, transition by rupture, so uh, uh, transitions by a breaking uh, the old rules. But in both cases, what um, frustrated me was that social movements, civil society and so on, were not considered as main actors. In literature and transitions to democracies, it was especially a focus on the elite. So the elite in parts or the elite who splits. Uh, and uh, uh, civil societies was at the best considered as uh, a push for the elite to be transformed. So I recognized in, in my own work that uh, uh, there were differences uh, in the ways in which um, uh, the uh, development of uh, transition went, but that in both cases, social movements, at least in the cases I studied, were important. They were important sometimes in the counterintuitive way. So uh, in this book, uh, you are right, so the uh, uh, Portuguese case is uh, a main case uh, of eventful democratization and the Spanish case is a main example of pacts. Uh, in the other uh, piece of research I did in Eastern Europe, for instance, uh, Poland was a typical example of pacted transition uh, and uh, Czechoslovakia was m more uh, by rupture. But in both cases, what I noticed was uh, social movements were important. So in Spain, uh, there had been very, uh, um, I said, a development of class conflicts uh, all along the 60s with Comisiones Obreras uh, and a re-emerging uh, conf conflict in the factories. And there was a conflict on the territorial dimensions, in, uh, uh, especially in the Basque countries. There had been uh, um, ETA was born, but also a revival of ethno-nationalist movements. Uh, in Poland also, Poland in 1980-81 has been uh, a case in which there was a huge movement, Solidarność. But these movements uh, were still important when uh, transitions happened, but they were important more as a sort of uh, external threat. They were not in the streets. Uh, uh, Sol Solidarność, who had been more institutionalized, discouraged young workers uh, to mobilize from mobilization, and the same uh, did uh, in Spain, uh, also parties that had been in the opposition before. So I call them participated pacts because I think civil society was also there and was important in threatening uh, the potential for mobilizations, but was not mobilized. On the other end, instead, uh, the cases like Portugal, and to a different extent uh, Czechoslovakia at that time, were cases in which it was uh, demobilizations of uh, uh, the masses that produced uh, the breakdown of the regimes. And the Port Portuguese case is particularly uh, interesting because it is one of, the, of a, a few cases of a transition to democracy which is also looked at as a revolution because uh, especially in the first, very first period after the uh, so-called Carnation Revolution, uh, uh, the Portuguese democracy was established while uh, the people were still mobilized in the street. And uh, uh, so I call these uh, eventful transitions because uh, what I uh, wanted to point at was not just the rupture 
uh, in the elites, but also the uh, importance of uh, uh, um, critical junctures, which has been uh, produced and took place uh, while the streets were full of uh, peoples with ideas and so on. These are two the Berian's ideal types, because uh, uh, of course there was also uh, uh, in uh, in all the cases I mentioned uh, mobilizations in some cases uh, also in Spain uh, and uh, in Poland, and there was also pacts by uh, uh, among the elite in the other two cases. But I I thought the dynamics was uh, uh, quite uh, different and. There was also something else that I wanted to stress. While traditionally pacted transition uh, had been considered as uh, uh, the most physiologic one, the most successful one, what I noticed was that instead uh, it was uh, where the masses had been mobilized in the streets uh, that they were able to produce these legacies in terms of uh, uh, the presence of the constitutions which recognizes uh, the importance of uh, the mobilizations of civil societies, uh, um, uh, constitutions which are also more uh, uh, open uh, uh, towards state interventions against the social inequalities. Uh, and so this, um, this was the main reasons why I thought it was important to introduce uh, new new concepts. Sometimes uh, 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 colleagues in uh, political science tell me, but uh, would have not been easier to use just the concepts which were the transition pactada and so on. But I think they focused the idea on the elite, and this is this was something that I thought was misleading if we want to see the complexity of a transition process. Yeah, and that's also what I think that this book is very interesting because it kind of like goes against, as you said, the common sense established uh, that these pacted transitions are kind of the, the ideal type of transitions. And as you said, probably it's because the emphasis on elites, it also like shows that these pacted transitions allow for the like greater con like uh, integration of the kind of status quo elite into the new into the new part, but it forgets about kind of this approach to the rest of society, social movements, and and so on. But I was wondering, so you were explaining us now like why the carnation the, uh, revolution and the transition in Spain were these two ideal types. Um, I was wondering if you could explain also a bit how are the Italian case and the Greek one in the middle and to which sides they they're closest. Yes, we considered that Italy was. Um, Say more close uh, to an eventful type of uh, transition uh, because there was also uh, the mobilizations, especially during the resistance periods uh, against uh, uh, the Nazi uh, occupations of uh, uh, Italy. But uh, what was, and in fact, uh, the resistance remained as a sort of myth uh, for many generations of activists later on. But it was uh, uh, a, a memory, a narration of uh, a betrayed myth. So uh, it was a betrayed resistance. And in fact, this, the, the Italian case was very particular because it was in the midst uh, of the Second World War. At the end of the Second World War, uh, Italy was occupied by uh, the uh, Allies army. And so this changed a lot, so the, the type of path. Uh, the, um, the, the constitutions was uh, a compromise between uh, the left and uh, the center and what was very present uh, for the all uh, post-war uh, war period was what we called in, another, in some other work a sort of uh, uh, cold war uh, which also was reflected uh, in uh, uh, at the domestic level uh, with the fight uh, against uh, the the Communist Party and the labor movements, uh, uh, which produced also uh, about 100 people uh, that, uh, who died during the uh, period of consolidation, uh, uh, during demonstrations killed by the police and so on. 
And uh, uh, the Greek case is also a um, special case. Uh, there was the mobilization uh, also there of uh, uh, important uh, mobilizations of uh, uh, the so-called polytechnic generation. So the student movement and the student protests were uh, uh, important, but uh, the characteristic of the regime was also different uh, uh, and uh, uh, the type of uh, say memory uh, of uh, that period was uh, uh, only superficially a memory uh, of uh, people activated in, in the streets. Uh, and uh, we, we try to say in the book, because it is what we notice with empirical work, that all memories were somehow uh, contested, uh, uh, difficult at times, uh, but uh, that's um, uh, the, the uh, main uh, two different um, uh, types in Portugal, uh, the memory uh, of the Carnation Revolution still was a very positive memory. Uh, in uh, uh, Spain, the lack of rupture made the transition period as one of the targets. Uh, also, the uh, 1978 uh, uh, Moncloa Pact is one of the examples of uh, the negative uh, type of path. While in Italy and in Greece, there was this um, I say, on the one end, aspiration towards uh, uh, the, uh, um, positive memories of those who mobilized uh, then, but also the perceptions that this uh, struggle uh, was somehow, if not useless, uh, at least absorbed later on. So the polytechnic generations is, um, to a certain extent, considered as a successful generation in Greece, but it is also the generation uh, of those who then uh, entered in the system, giving up the uh, ideals uh, and values, and produced a corruption of democracy. And in Italy also, uh, uh, since uh, uh, the Communist Party asked uh, uh, people uh, to uh, give back uh, arms and so on, this was considered as uh, a gesture uh, that uh, produced uh, the victory uh, of the center-right, the Christian Democratic parties and so on later on. So, more a betrayed. And, <clears throat> sorry, and then when you when you explain, and you, you mentioned a bit already on this concept, so you, you see uh, in the book that uh, social movements uh, and the, the current political system are impacted by transitions in three ways, in which you call like the institutional legacies, the movement legacies, and the movement memories. So I was wondering if you could also kind of explain a bit all these three concepts so our listeners can, can follow our conversation easier. Yes. I... Uh this was uh, sort of conceptualizations which emerged in part inductively uh, through the empirical analysis uh, and uh, it is reflected in the structure of the book. So we devote uh, uh, a chapter to the events of the transition to understand uh, uh, what is this a case of for all the four cases. Uh, and then the first chapter looks at uh, what do the movement leave uh, in terms of uh, um, external conditions. So this was what I've been uh, studying also in, in the other cases, in the other two areas uh, I mentioned, uh, which were the effect in terms of constitutions uh, and uh, uh, which were the effects in terms of law, uh, how uh, did the uh, path of transitions uh, uh, produce effect in the political uh, uh, system, creating, uh, um, how can I say, structural type of legacies. Uh, for the movements, we looked at two aspects uh, in two different chapters. Uh, one is uh, how 
uh, these moments of transitions uh, affected uh, the type of um, um, social movements resources, uh, both in terms of material resources, but also symbolic resources. So which type of uh, uh, social movement uh, families developed in the different countries uh, um, and how was it related with uh, this uh, uh, path of transitions. And the last uh, chapter focuses instead on uh, the memories and so we uh, interviewed uh, activists who had been uh, active during the resistance and uh, those who mobilized in 2011 to see how they perceived this uh, type of events. Uh, and uh, uh, so memory is an interesting concept. Uh, it has been used uh, a lot uh, in uh, uh, cultural studies, uh, uh, but very little in social movement studies. And uh, I've written since uh, this book another book which also deals with memories, um, edited collection on 68. And so the, the main attempt was to uh, see how for movements which uh, uh, are characterized by moments of visibility and moments of uh, uh, um, non-visibility, of latency, uh, how memories are mobilized uh, uh, in specific moments in order to uh, either uh, um, present or reconstruct a sort of uh, route in the past, but also presents uh, uh, the new movements as something alternative, something which goes beyond. So memory it's, this is the assumption, is a tricky thing for social movements because social movements uh, always tend to present themselves. A colleague, uh, Berta Taylor, said uh, they uh, have this uh, Virgin Mary syndrome. So they always want to say we are totally new uh, and we are born um, out of uh, uh, this uh, spirit of innovation. But at the same time, movements also need legitimacy coming from the past. And especially, they also mobilize activists that sometimes have a direct memories of the past. So in other work which I've done, I've done uh, focus groups with the uh, people mobilizing in the global justice movement from different generations. Uh, there was the generations in Italy uh, who had done the resistance, so were uh, 70 years and older, uh, and uh, intermediate generations, the 68 generations, up to the uh, millennials. And what I noticed in this focus group is that the, the memory of the past, uh, in, in the sense of the moment in which people were socialized to politics, still has uh, uh, an impact. This doesn't mean that the memory is always easy. So we studied uh, for this other project, Lorenzo Zamponi uh, also wrote his PhD on the student movement. And uh, uh, in Italy in particular, the memory of uh, 68 was for a long time a difficult memory because it was uh, of a movement which was uh, at the same time so um, global, all-encompassing and so on that people tended to think we uh, yes, we are different. We, we we are not global. We are we don't want to be uh, compared with this uh, big meat. But on the other end, it was also the movement which had, uh, had been considered as too radical, uh, too ideological, uh, and so. What I mean, mean is memories uh, uh, are um, uh, complex and contested and full of uh, voices, but also silence, uh, also inside the movements themselves. What is interesting, and this is uh, uh, the, the, the main idea behind uh, uh, the research, is uh, how especially critical junctures, so moments uh, of uh, a disruption of uh, the established uh, 
um, political system, but also established social movements, tend to reactivate uh, 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 the memories of the past. So the book uh, uh, I edited in 68 is uh, called in Italian 68 Il Passato e il Futuro. Uh, of uh, rebel years, so the past and the future, in the sense that the past is reactivated when you need to think about the future. It means uh, uh, you are looking for uh, models, ideas, uh, myths, symbols, uh, and, uh, uh, and we found there that uh, our expectations that there was an impact uh, of the ways in which the transitions had worked was uh, empirically proved true uh, uh, because uh, all the Portuguese development in 2011 is full of symbols of uh, the carnation revolutions, the songs, uh, the slogans, uh, the fact that the activists could enter the parliament while uh, in Spain they were uh, charged by the police if they uh, um, went near to the parliament is, uh, uh, is a very typical uh, illustrations of these uh, uh, differences. So I have to say then uh, also what the, we tried to do was uh, not to consider that uh, uh, a sort of deterministic and uh, never-changing use of memories. To the opposite, memories uh, are returned to, revisited and so on in a dynamic way, uh, and uh, uh, the memories changed in times of transition uh, uh, and uh, it is important also that uh, the memories of the transitions are read through the prism of other movements. So 68 was important uh, uh, and re-emerged. And uh, in this book I edited on 68, it was interesting, uh, there are interviews with activists uh, in the UK uh, activists of the Corbyn generations and active, uh, uh, activists of Momentums, the millennials. <coughs> and what uh, they see, uh, they talk about 68 as an important moment because it was a moment of hope. And they see it now. So they see uh, it as particularly important uh, in a moment in which new hopes are opening up. Yeah, and also especially with the 68 now, so it's a, it's a very big topic in, in France with uh, all these strikes and, and so on. So, I mean, memories are, are there, even in, in countries where transitions like were like either much more in the past or, or like not, not as like present in the, in the, yeah, in the current times. But now I, I wanted to, to focus a bit on the exact uh, mechanisms in which you uh, explain how, how transitions affect this whole, uh, these three different concepts that you, that you speak about. So could you please explain a bit um, so how transitions, uh, like how are institutional legacies affected by transitions? So in which ways we see these changes depending on the kind of transition that's happened in the, in the past? Yeah. For the institutional legacies, I talked of legalization and legitimation, a sort of mechanism, because I think it is important the ways in which constitutions are made. Uh, and uh, another examples could be found also in the Arab Spring. Uh, the relative success, uh, uh, success of Tunisian uh, in comparison with Egypt is also related in, with an early um, investment in the constitutional process and the attempt to make it uh, inclusive. Uh, while the opposite is true on, uh, uh, for Egypt. So uh, laws are always changing, but constitutions are quite important, both instrumentally and uh, uh, symbolically. And in fact, nowadays there is <coughs> a reflection 
in a new field like uh, sociology of constitutions is called, uh, which starts also from the observations that in moment of crisis, uh, uh, constitutional processes become uh, again uh, important. Take the Spanish case and the ways in which uh, in Catalonia, a constitutional process uh, has triggered uh, a, a lot of conflicts, protests, and so on. So this, this is a general process. Constitutions are uh, important, and they play uh, a role also uh, later on. And uh, also what scholars in sociology of constitution say is constitutional moment, a moment in which the legitimacy coming from the citizens is more important. So uh, this uh, type of uh, uh, direct uh, um, productions of uh, uh, laws uh, with uh, particular attention to the most important of them is important. And here it is particularly important the laws which more directly affect social movements. So uh, uh, laws which uh, uh, define uh, legal rights for social movements, for uh, people participation. So let's say uh, if we think in terms of citizenship rights, the uh, uh, political rights, but also the civic rights. And there are laws that respond to the claims of the movement. So in observations which has been made uh, also by other scholars of transitions is that the broader the coalition that pushes for transition, the more, for instance, you have social rights recognized. And the Portuguese case is, again, quite uh, relevant. So legalization, I mean, this type of, uh, say, uh, legal transformations, but I think that there is also a cultural aspect, which I try to capture through uh, this idea of... um, legitimation. So uh, there is also an idea uh, in uh, uh, pacted transitions, social movements, mobilizations of the societies uh, uh, tend to be considered by political parties, by media as negative. Uh, On the other hand, instead, uh, uh, when uh, you develop uh, uh, um, democratic system from processes of eventful uh, transitions and eventful democratization. You have uh, recognitions even uh, in, at the cultural level that mobilizations of the society is positive. And uh, uh, this uh, is, uh, these are important mechanisms as far as uh, uh, this type of um, uh, structuring uh, is, is concerned. Uh, for the uh, memories of movements, we also tried uh, to um, single out during the research how does it happen uh, that uh, uh, millennials uh, form uh, ideas about what is uh, 68, for instance, or what is the transition. And there it is interesting because uh, what you usually find about these historical moments is um, uh, the development of an institutional type of memory, which is uh, more uh, uh, transmitted top-down. But you have also um, a a non-institutional type of memories, for instance, about 68, uh, which developed through uh, different type of uh, mechanisms. One of these is brokerage, also intergenerational type of brokerage. There have been books made also on uh, the ways in which act activists of the women's movement of, or activists of the student movement in the 60s uh, transmitted their memories to their children, now probably grandchildren. Uh, and uh, so there is at the individual level this effect of micro-level uh, diffusions of uh, uh, ideas, but then there, there are also more... Um, uh, say, structured type of memories. So uh, we looked also at uh, archives 
both uh, uh, social movements or moments like uh, moment of um, anniversary. So for this book on 68, I've looked at the anniversaries in 78, 88, 98, uh, 2008 and 2018. And what I saw is that something is consolidated in the in the process, but something also there, is, there are innovations. So uh, my impression is uh, 68 in 2011, in, uh, sorry, in, in uh, uh, 2018 is more important than 68, 10 years ago because it resonates better with what is happening now, with the hopes and the struggles and the conflicts. Mm-hmm. And then also another very interesting uh, argument you make it's about how transitions affect actually like movements themselves, so the movement legacies and matters of like radicalization and so on. So could you please elaborate a bit on that? Yes, uh, so social movements uh, have been often uh, analyzed um, through case studies, uh, the, the environmental movements in uh, the women's movement in that decades and so on. Uh, but um, what we noticed already in the past, a long, an article we wrote a long time ago with Dieter Rucht, is that uh, uh, there are social movement families which are formed. So uh, we took family uh, as a, a term from literature on party politics. There you have uh, socialist families of parties, communist families of parties, and so on. Also in uh, uh, social movements, uh, you have different focuses uh, uh, of different movements, different type of strategies uh, in different types, but you have also the uh, long-lasting formation of what are still called repertoires of actions, repertoires of contention. So, Movements, fortunately, even when they decline, uh, never disappear, but survive uh, uh, in the doldrum uh, in, uh, during uh, latent phases. And they are reactivated then in moments of strong mobilization, sometimes also shifting uh, uh, the focus. So take, for instance, move, uh, anti-war movements and peace movements. They uh, develop uh, mobilize in some specific moment, but they build upon uh, movement tradition in a certain countries. And this movement tradition is made of some organizations that survive from one cycle to the next, uh, uh, but also uh, from uh, the type of resources. So each uh, a wave of protest, especially in critical moments, produces generations of activists. So, uh, uh, people, persistent activists is the term which has been uh, used in social movement studies, uh, which uh, reactivate in each new wave and bring also some ideas. The ideas are not just transmitted um, top-down, they also tend to be reappropriated, transformed, but take, for instance, uh, the uh, type of um, horizontal uh, forms of uh, uh, organizations of that um, sort of re-emerged during the anti-austerity protest in Dignados and so on, but were already in part used especially by the horizontals in the global justice movement. So I talked with activists of the global justice movement who said in 2011 we went uh, uh, to Puerta del Sol, so young activists that we didn't know, they didn't recognize us because we were of a different generations, but they used some of uh, the same slogans, organizational format, the use of ends, uh, signals, uh, and so on. So the, the, there is this uh, type of, um, say, building up uh, of uh, social movement milieus in which new generations bring new ideas, but old generations uh, keep also fighting. Yeah, there is also this paper, I think, from Christina Fletcher from Inagin, which she basically explains that, right? That, I mean, it's impossible to understand the capacity for horizontal 
uh, organization in the Indignados movement if we don't look at what you have termed movement legacies and like all that they have gotten from that? Yes. And oh, yeah. Yeah, no, please. Uh, what, what one, uh, say, uh, uh, motivations of writing this book is that uh, uh, also we saw that uh, um, about reflections on memories uh, on legacies of movements there has been a lot on some countries but there was very little on southern Europe and so uh, uh, with Eduardo Tiago and Marcos what we wanted to do in this chapter on movement legacies was also to provide <coughs> Uh, um, uh, of course, uh, summary, uh, but uh, um, reflections on uh, what is the characteristics of uh, uh, left-wing uh, social movements in Spain, in Greece, in Italy, and in Portugal, which are cases which sometimes are left for the area specialists. And finally, uh, you speak about, I think that for me, uh, the most interesting part of the book, that is about uh, movement memories, right? So you, like, if I would put it in a bit more, uh, like, literary way, uh, so you, you make a nuanced argument of this, uh, sentence that history is written by the winners, but you say, well, depending on the degree to which you win, or depending to the degree on which you lose, you might also revisit, like, how history looked like. So can mm -hmm. you explain a bit the, the transition, uh, the mechanism that you see here? Yes, I, uh, there has been some literature in social movement studies which I found useful, uh, which focused on the ways in which movements uh, are able uh, to uh, mobilize not only winning uh, uh, moments, reflections on winning moments, but also some uh, um, moments in which they failed, but uh, uh, which is still considered as a proof of commitment, a proof of heroism, uh, so a moment uh, which was um, necessary for uh, the development of the uh, struggle. Take, for instance, the minor strikes in the UK, uh, or uh, uh, also these memories of uh, betrayed uh, uh, transitions in uh, Spain or uh, in, uh, in Italy or in Greece. Uh, well, these are memories of something which uh, went wrong, but also of moments in which people participated. So uh, they are uh, uh, important not only because they keep the memory of those uh, who have lost uh, a life, but also because they show uh, how some utopian moments uh, uh, could uh, be useful in order to think about uh, uh, the future, not only. So these reflections on the past in order to think about the future is important. And I see it important for the movement we addressed, but I see it important also, for instance, for uh, minority nationalist movements. So take uh, the Scottish case or the Catalan case. Uh, uh, these are cases which, in which the past meant a lot of repression. Franco destroyed the Esquerra uh, Republicana de, Cat de Catalunya. Uh, so it was uh, a, a big defeat, but at the same time it was a moment which is important because uh, you can um, find... Um, legitimating myth uh, and uh, uh, heroes that could still uh, and that are still considered as uh, uh, important nowadays uh, as source of inspirations. Che Guevara was killed in Bolivia and uh, the guerrilla is no longer uh, uh, an um, ideal for most of the left in Latin America, but still those moments of uh, struggles are, uh, represent uh, important memories. What is interesting is that uh, it is not a constant. So research on memories uh, in other disciplines said memories tend to be institutionalized and to consolidate. It is true, in part, we, we found this also within social movements, but uh, what we found was uh, the, the challenging 
capacity of some uh, uh, movements uh, uh, of rediscovering some of the memories. And then I was wondering, because you, you focus on, on uh, Southern Europe in your cases, but then you also make some mentions uh, today and even in the book to, to some cases in, for example, like Central and Eastern Europe. So to which degree do you think that uh, we could say that, you know, the conclusions that you have in the book can travel to other other geographic areas as well? Well, I think that um, our research design was already such that we aimed for some degree of uh, um, generalizations in the sense that we focus on uh, uh, one area, so usually what is considered to be as a most uh, a similar research design, but we also had countries that we stressed a different type of path. Uh, not only Italy, uh, where a transition happened uh, much earlier, uh, but also the dynamics in the other uh, countries were different so that we could take them uh, as examples of different types. Uh, um, we didn't want to just aim at generalizations. We, we tried to keep the thick historical description as well because we think that it was important also in the directions of what you said. We also wanted to make visible what had been invisible for a long time. So uh, also recognize the voices which had not been heard for, for a long time. But at the same time, uh, uh, I think also that uh, it will be interesting uh, to um, uh, develop uh, uh, these ideas in other uh, areas of the world, in Latin America and so on, even though this would require some adaptation. For instance, we, we are doing some research on the student movement in Chile. Chile is a classical example uh, of a pacted transitions. But at the same time, there was also mobilization uh, against the Pinochet regimes, and it was through a huge and unexpected mobilizations of the societies during the referendum, which had been called by Pinochet, that uh, these uh, um, traditions of uh, uh, movements, uh, labor movements, student movements, and so on, was uh, reactivated. So what I mean is, uh, I think that's and what we hope to do is uh, to stimulate other research in these areas, n not as research that necessarily needs to prove that um, our uh, um, observations can travel. Also, I think sometimes uh, when you go in other geographical areas, you need to adapt and discover new things. But I, I think that um, a focus on memories also in other areas uh, would be very important. And sometimes these are the difficult memories. Uh, take Central Eastern Europe, uh, where uh, the uh, say most uh, traumatic cases are Hungary and Poland, uh, where uh, uh, the memory is very split itself. And then, moving a bit already, out of the of the discussion of the book, I was wondering, uh, what are you working on right now? Uh, I'm working uh, on many things. One is uh, uh, this idea that developed uh, also indirectly from the book that uh, there is there are um, uh, moments uh, of routine and moments of changes. Uh, so uh, I'm writing about time intensification because I think that uh, the moment we are living in, moment of crisis, uh, moment of uh, fast transformations, are very specific moments in which uh, the traditional uh, uh, type of explanations used in uh, political and social sciences uh, uh, need to be rethought because the moment in which conjuncture is much more uh, important, uh, structures do no longer hold. So this is one uh, um, thing uh, I'm reflecting uh, upon on the basis also of different empirical studies. Then we are looking uh, uh, and say 
we because it is always um, collaborative pro projects uh, on um, political di directly political effects of movements so we um, uh, with other colleagues wrote a book on uh, Uh, movement parties, uh, looking at par in particular at Podemos, uh, uh, Syriza and the Five Stars movement in Italy, but also uh, at other historical cases to try to understand when and how does it happen that some social movements, even very skeptical of uh, institutional politics, uh, decide to take uh, an um, um, electoral path. Another uh, research we did, and I hope to continue, uh, is uh, also within these areas of uh, uh, the type of political consequences, uh, uh, Referendums from Below. It's a book in which we analyze uh, the Catalan process uh, and the Scottish case and the referendum uh, against privatization of waters and uh, the Icelandic a case on constitutional process to see what happens when social movements mobilize intensively in some moment of referendums. It is something that also in legal studies is developing under this label of constitutional moment, movements as constitutive moments. And so. Another area You stop me when you... <laughs> I see that you're very prolific, yes. It's <laughs> about movement knowledge. So what we saw is uh, social movement studies tend to focus a lot on what people do in the street, uh, activists do in the street. But uh, a lot of the activities of social movement is focusing on... Uh, developing alternative knowledge uh, on uh, um, environmental issues uh, like on uh, uh, labor issues, uh, social inequalities and so on and transmitting these uh, uh, memories. This had become, I think, all the most important uh, as uh, the development of counter-hegemonic ideas uh, is uh, not only important vis-à-vis -vis the external enemy, but also within social movements themselves. So how to deal uh, with uh, migrants, for instance, which was a question also uh, uh, Gramsci asked when uh, talking about uh, the importance of uh, counter-hegemonic thinking. And so I think that's uh, uh, reflecting on this uh, uh, element of how movements uh, practically, uh, so, so in different ways, try to collect, archive, uh, transmit uh, knowledge uh, is, uh, uh, is another project. Then uh, we are finishing a book on the student movements uh, because we wanted to connect, and this is a general um, also Uh, uh, perspective uh, in cosmos, uh, political economy with social movement studies, uh, looking at the ways in which uh, neoliberalism affected different policy sectors and how movements uh, uh, mobilized against this transformation. So the commodifications of university is uh, an important uh, uh, topic. And we are working on the starting to work on the labor movements and the ways in which new challenges like uh, technological transformations, uh, robotization, uh, uh, precarizations at the same time are affecting the labor movement because there is uh, reflections also within labor studies about the revitalizations of the labor movement. And I think that social movements can help understanding this development if they open up Uh, so if they are available also to understand and to uh, build upon what has been done in labor sociology uh, and in political economy on these issues. I have the impression that you might need a couple of hours more each day than the 24 <laughs> ones to, to finish all those projects on time. <laughs> so you can interview me another time in uh, one year or so. Oh yes, of course, I would love to. <laughs> and then the last question of the interview is... Uh, Which new books have you been reading so far lately? Uh, 
Well, this this would also require uh, a couple of hours to say because I tend to uh, I I like a lot to read, and so uh, I uh, tend to read uh, um, to take my time. Uh, sometimes I disappear from uh, Cosmos and the Institute, and I take a lot of uh, 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 books. At the moment, I'm trying. Uh, uh, to improve my knowledge uh, uh, in political economy in particular. So I've been uh, uh, reading uh, um, scholars that uh, have not interacted so much with social movement studies like Harvey, uh, uh, like Wolfgang Streck, uh, uh, in uh, trying to understand which type of uh, development, well, it's not only the anniversary uh, of 68, it's also the 200 anniversaries uh, uh, of Marx, and uh, I think that it would be useful uh, to go back uh, uh, also to this uh, uh, type of readings. But also I'm reading uh, on all these uh, topics which I uh, mentioned, so on uh, students' movements, uh, on uh, um, direct democracies. The last thing I was reading during the weekend was uh, um, work in uh, uh, constitutional sociology, because I think that movements are more and more having an impact, but at the same time also being, um, uh, say, constrained or affected by this uh, uh, type of uh, transformations. Okay, so, well, I, I think that with all the projects that you have, I've taken, like, far too much of your time. So I just want to thank you for, like, joining us today, and I'm looking forward to interviewing you in the future with uh, one of your next projects. Thank you, Felipe. Thank you very much. It was a pleasure to talk with you. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.